Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about light RPGs. Does that mean that the light is streaming through a window or what? Yes, exactly. We're talking about games that only use light and only reflect refracted light to play. Okay. No, we're not talking You're about You're not that. trying to offend people by saying their RPGs are, are not full. They're only light. Yes, right. I'm not... The light, the term light is not being, it's not a slight on the quality of game. It means it's rules light. It doesn't have a lot of rules. It's not very complex. So just like crunchiness, we have to define crunchiness. I'll define light as a RPG that is not complex, is not complex. And the rules are, there's very little rules compared to more crunchier games. I think you just offended people with that statement. No, how's that? Their their game isn't complex. The rules are not complex. the The game it doesn't matter. Uh, the game itself can be any kind of complexity you want to make it, but the rules themselves are not a barrier to entry. Right? You're not going to look at a a game that is light, what I term light, and say, "Oh, I got to spend an hour to make a character." See, so that's what I'm talking about. I know you didn't want me using the term light, but that a lot of people use that term in the industry. You got to use the terms that people use or make up your own. And I don't feel like making my own. It's too complex. Light games. We've we played light games, what I consider to be light games. Why do people like light games? I don't know. You'll have to tell me. Well, let's describe light in another way. There are board games, people in the board game hobby. And they have light games. They consider games light. For example, and, uh, and all that has to do with complexity. doesn't mean that they're less fun or they're not fun or not as fun. We're never going to say that Ticket to Ride isn't fun or Splendor isn't fun. But is it as complex as Twilight Imperium? And people who play Twilight Imperium love that game and think it's a lot of fun. I'm so, sure it is, but it takes a long time. <laughs> so it takes all day, right? Remember, I Augustine's we, our son's seventh grade science teacher, eighth grade science teacher. I don't remember what grade it was. He was a gamer, and I didn't know. Oh, we kind of had an idea because of his ties, right? He had all these, uh, uh, what is it, geek culture stuff. He had that. He was really into Star Wars and stuff like that. Anyway, so we happened to see them, see him at a convention that we go to, well, when we used to go, go to. I know we were, we've been kind of lamenting not going to conventions, but it has been a long time. Uh, there's light at the end of this tunnel, people. But uh, anyway, so we saw him at a convention, and it's the only convention he goes to. He only goes to it one day because I think he has like three kids, and uh, and it's the one day that he gets to go, and he takes his Twilight Imperium under his arm, and though I would probably would not want to play all day, eight, nine, ten, twelve hours playing Twilight Imperium Third Edition, uh, he was he's happy to to take his game and he sits down and by the end of a couple hours he has a full table and he's there all day and all night and that's all he does. Why did I talk about Mister? I have no idea. <laughs> but he likes complex games and Third, Twilight Third Imperium is a complex game. In board games. So you have to tell me what are these light games in RPGs. Okay, so there's some games that I consider RPGs still, and there's some games that I think I sometimes question whether they are a role-playing game or not. Why? Well, because they're more like 
uh, I don't know. I don't know. For example, you mentioned this game called Icarus, which is about stacking dice and about building an empire and, and the collapse of empires. I'm not sure stacking dice and stuff like that is a role-playing game. That's only part of it, I think. <laughs> You're right. I have not read the rules or, or looked at it. Because it says you take on the roles of a diplomat or scientist, and the events are spurred along by random card draws. They're yeah. story cards and that are drawn. It's GM-less, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, I'm not sure that's a role-playing game. It is. Okay. Uh, it says it is. It says it's a light <laughs> role-playing game. <laughs> that's extremely like Fiasco is another light role-playing game, also GM-less. And that one is like their selling point. It's, it's a Cohen's movie role-playing game where you play uh, any situation that gets really messed up. And it's just you and your cohorts. You know, well, f- that could be any role-playing game. Yeah, but it's about something that goes wrong, and it's about what's going wrong, and and, and what you're going to do about and it, and what you're going to do about it. And it's basically well, you can't say that those aren't role-playing games because if you have story cards and you have to pick up the story, which to me would seem a little bit harder than than doing it the normal way. You you pick the you pick a card and it tells you what story you're going to go with. I mean, not only that, I was reading about Icarus, and it's a you know, no matter what. It's gonna your 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 world is gonna collapse, or your right. your civilization is gonna collapse. So, it's more about telling the story of how it's gonna what what's gonna right. happen. The, a game like that is Ten Candles, right? Which is, was really popular last year. I think it was last year they came out, maybe a year and a half ago. But it was burning up all everybody's podcast, and they were talking about how great of a game it was. And Ten Candles is there's ten candle you light ten candles, and it's about the end of the world and how you deal with that situation. Oh, that sounds so pleasant. <laughs> That's a game that Jolene's not going to play. <laughs> yeah, but people love it. I mean, I've heard people rave about it, and I'm just like... Well, I'm going to tell you that a selling point for the Icarus. Icarus. I think I might need you to buy this game because you get to build a tower with dice. <laughs> we have plenty of dice. I have a lot of dice I could build a tower with. So That sounds like a good game, actually. So... I, I'm talking in more traditional type of role playing games, and I, that I want to consider light. Uh, people talk about Fate Core as being a light game, and I just do not agree with them. I've already mentioned that before. Now, Fate Accelerated has a lot less rules; it's more streamlined, and I think it fits the light category. How well, she I've, says? I never ran it or played it, but. I read the rules and, and I compared it to Fate Core, and there is just a lot of less rules involved. There's less things that you that mechanically happen in that game, right? So that that's the only basis that I'm running it. And I've run Fate Core, and I've told you and told everybody I run Fate Core, but I eliminate quite a bit of the rules. I have it. I take out half the rules. And people who like Fate Core and like Fate, they kind of come into my game, and if they really, really like Fate, they probably really, really don't like my game. <laughs> but people who never played Fate and are not Fate aficionados, they love my games. My, I usually run Dresden Files or what I call Monterey Dresden because I center it in Monterey. Or base, the setting is Monterey. Uh, we're here in California. If you never heard of Monterey, it's a little seaside town, tourist spot, beautiful place uh, near my hometown. So that's why I set it there. Uh, if you've read Steinbeck, any kind of Steinbeck novels, Canary Row is based in, in Monterey. It's not based in Monterey. It is part of Monterey. It's set in Monterey. Yes. Yes. 
the the book oh. Canary Row is well, set in Monterey. Canary Row is a is in is a street is in Monterey. Yes. Anyway, I don't know if it's a street. Is it a street? Actually, I don't know. It had a bunch of canneries on it. Right. That's why it's called Canary Row. I don't know. I think it was officially. Anyway, so I ran Fate Core and I eliminated a lot of the rules and. I like the idea of the. So aspects. you made your own light game there, right? <laughs> right. I made it lighter, uh, simply by eliminating a lot of. The, I didn't eliminate the rules. I just didn't use them. So, I think uh, there's that. But a true a true game that I played by the rules and I consider light would be like Tales from the Loop. Now the reason I say light, and I think I I, I like those rules, is because I've I've run at conventions for years and years. I can't remember when it was the first time I ran. At a convention. Anyway. Probably 91, 92. Anyway. Anyway, I never once thought of making characters at the table. Even though luckily here in Northern California, specifically in Northern California, we have games that run as long as you want, really. most, most You of the choose con- how long you want to right, run most it. Most of the conventions here let you run a game as long as you want. You know, as long as you between get, four and eight hours, and I've seen games run twelve hours. Yes, so, well, so unlike a lot of places that Jolene, I don't mean, I've I've never taken Jolene, or we've never gone to a convention outside our area, you know, Northern California, and I don't know if she was surprised. I think she was surprised that to learn that other conventions usually they don't put role playing games in a private room, and they usually only have a four hour time slot. And they make you pay for each game. <laughs> well, not everybody, not everyone. That's like Gen Con, or I was, I was shocked by all of these things. <laughs> oh, you were shocked about those other things. So when you have that situation where you're pressed for time, in other places, making characters seems unfeasible because you don't want to spend too much time making a character table if you're so limited on time. You were running, um, what's that game with the space opera? Space opera. So making a character is probably very complicated. Yes. So you yes. had all the characters made. Right. Well, Tales from the Loop, you can make the t- the character in what, five ten minutes? Ten minutes. Ten minutes if and and you need attention. to have all the players with you so you can have your wire together. Right. Moment. All these connections yeah. and stuff like that. And I was a little hesitant. Even, even, even though I was running a game in a room, I think I'd slated myself for six hours. And, but I've said this in the past, in local conventions here, most games... Uh, the late the late games the last day the last game of the of the the one that starts at eight o'clock. Well, they sometimes they start at six, but let's say the last game in the room can run all night because nobody's going to come in and kick you out of the room. So if you start a game at six or eight o'clock and it's supposed to be a f- four or five hour game, and your game runs for ten hours, let's say because nobody in, cares, nobody cares, nobody's going to kind of kick you out. So that's pretty cool about about Northern California, but in other places. They actually kick you out of the area that you play in because sometimes they're running in conventions halls and conventions halls do not run 24 hours or. And so what like you're that. saying is we're very spoiled. I think we are. I think we're very lucky. We used to be anyway. Yes, <laughs> we used to be. Anyway, so so because even 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 though I had so many uh, opportunities to use up uh, a, uh, a lot of time to make characters, I never did because I didn't. I always thought it would take too much time, especially the games I was running. You know, space opera. Uh, I don't know what other games. I think it's more the your your barrier thing. What's the barrier thing? You said something about the 
light games are easier to get people who haven't played before in. Yes. What did you call it? Barrier of entry. Barrier of entry. Yes. Because if the characters are already made, then it's easier for people to sit down oh, and play definitely. the game. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would never think of trying to make characters for space opera. It's just too long. Even even though I got really good at it, making a character, it would take me 45 minutes to make a character. And that's me, you know, this is years of experience making characters and making hundreds of characters probably by this point. So a pers- brand new person looking at all the lists of skills they could u- get and all this, it would take them forever, two or three hours, which I wouldn't do the people who are, are paying for a convention game. So so I would never even thought of it. So even when I ran my version of Dresden Files, I never thought about having characters. I mean, characters having characters made at the gaming table. I always even Fate, which is supposedly uh, you can make games characters ad hoc or what do you call it, in, in, at the gaming table. I never did it, even though it, I had seen it done at a convention, and it and it went pretty well. Okay. But I did do that finally with Tales from the Loop, simply because it seemed so easy. It seemed so. They use templates, and basically you can you can just straight off copy a template, right from the book. The only thing is in the template they give you choices: this or this, or a choice of three things that you care about. It still took what forty five minutes to get all the players to have their characters done. No, it took like fifteen minutes at the gaming table. So I ran that uh, uh, Tales from the Loop at a convention, and I was brave enough and and took the chance of having characters made at the table. Uh, I had you know multiple copies of the book. I had sheets to help it, them make uh, characters, and literally in 15 minutes we were up and running playing the game. Supposedly there's other games you can do that, right? Uh, there are games like Apocalypse World, and there's a ton of Apocalypse World hacks. And I know there's different terminology. There's hacks. There's I forget what are the terms that, that change the setting and change the rules. And they have different playbooks. Playbooks which are like character templates i guess is what they are uh now i've never really gone into apocalypse world i've i think i played in one game i did not have that good of a time that was probably over 10 years ago and uh, it was over 10 years ago and i never played another game people who like apocalypse world swear by it it's really popular uh like i said because it's so easy to manipulate and uh and hack and change and and uh, modify it's really really popular so people use apocalypse world for a lot of different games a lot of different genres a lot of different settings and stuff like that so that's i some people consider that a light game and more of a storytelling game okay uh i'm just gonna shoot off a whole bunch well i i think you should talk about this game called dread it's a horror game that they use a jenga tower yes i actually have played that once with morgan and it was really popular. I don't know when it first came out. Do you remember? No. Okay. So I played that at, uh, at actually, I played that with the Stanford group back when we were meeting in face to face games. And it was a lot of fun. And that one's really simple. You have a character sheet that's a regular character sheet. Now, I, depending on the, on the game you're playing, but, but it's a horror game. So what happens is it's very good at mimicking that dread, literally, the dread of, of, of whatever game or the situation that is on hand. So anytime you want to do something, instead of rolling dice, like in normal RPGs, you pull a block out of the Jenga tower. And if you do not 
cause and if you do not cause the the, to- the tower to fall, then you succeed. Simple. And if the tower falls, you die. You die. So you have to have more than one character. Uh, well, in the game that Morgan was playing, because he runs it pretty deadly, he had yeah, we had multiple characters that you could that you could uh, play choose from choose from right. And you know the characters were really simple. Uh, I think that's another aspect of Dread is that the games are are the characters sheet is real simple. There's only a few skills. It kind of reminded me. Remember that Goblin game we played, where we played goblins. Yes, kobolds? I, I do remember. That. Kobolds or goblins? I don't know. The kobolds ate my baby. <laughs> it was, yeah. That was. <laughs> Shannon brand that you know, and we were like, "Are you really?" I was. I kind of shocked that he would want to run that kind of game. Because it was kind of whimsical and crazy, and, and he's seems like a more serious gamer, but obviously it was a different side of Shannon. That it was funny, uh, and then he likes killing off characters, and I think that's another plus for him. Well, <laughs> that's an easy game to die in. I, you, I died so many times, my name warped into some bizarre name. I think you just what you were just changing the first letter of your name. Uh, I was adding letters. Uh, adding letters. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I think I was pretty lucky. I died. I think I had a very good character. I was really trying to stay alive because being an old time gamer, your character shouldn't die. And uh, and I got a bad roll. <laughs> croaked right away. But there, yeah, Dread is fun though. Dread is is a neat mechanic. That I, I like the idea of how it transfers this simple idea of pulling the block and making it. Uh, what is it? And it being a horror game, it's like it the tension right when that block when that block when that tower is full of all kinds of holes you know you're gonna die well you don't know you're gonna die but it really is a risk to pull a block out of there and you know i, th- I think i took pictures of the, of the dread tower that we that we had before it fell a couple of times and uh it's amazing how how that tower can stay standing very interesting so basically for lighter games the idea that you're coming about with is that character creation is easier because there's not so many choices and that then you haven't caught, gotten to the um, the rules, the actual rules, like right. how you roll the dice and stuff. I'm guessing I'm, I'm guessing that if, uh, if creating characters is really easy, then the rules mechanic is also going to be pretty easy. It's going to be pretty basic. Like Tales from the Loop? Like Tales from the Loop. What's the mechanic? It is a dice pool system, right? So you have a, a trait and you have or like a, an attribute, like let's say wits, and you have a skill, let's say computers. And you combine your dice. And you combine those two numbers. Like if you have a, a wits of two and your computers is three, three plus two is five, you roll five Thank dice. you for the math lesson. <laughs> well, that's how basic it is. I mean, it's insulting, but that's how basic it is. You just roll, get those two numbers. And you have to get a six. And you have to get a six. Which you would think would be easy, but yeah, it's we've not always. We talked about Tales for Loop, and you know we've had uh, Bay with considerably unlucky. He rolled. Uh, he had a, a dice pull of eight. He didn't get a single thing. And in that game, you have a push mechanic, so you could always re-roll your dice if you want to take a condition. Like you know, if you're chasing somebody and you have a dice pull of eight and you're trying to knock them down or something, then you roll your dice, but it fails. So you take a. Uh, you take a condition called tired, and then you get to reroll all your dice. That di- you get to reroll all your dice, and Bay was unlucky enough that he failed both his rolls. But then, if you um, once you have those conditions, then you don't get a 
you don't get to roll as many dice or you're just correct like you have like four or five conditions i forget exactly how many but every time you take a condition it's a minus one die on all your rolls so if you only have two dice or one die then you may not be able to do something i think you always get to roll one die no matter what okay i think i'm pretty sure so the 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 less rules or the easier the rules system is the lighter the game is right or if you're drawing story cards, then it's going to be really light. Well, that's that is even lighter, <laughs> yes. You know, and I think uh, I, we just recently played the Liminal, which is a I consider a lighter lighter game. It's not exactly light because, well, I don't know. It only has literally ten pages of rules. Yes, but there's lots of choices when yes. you're creating your character. Yes, yes, and it is. changes everything. Changes what you can do and can't do. <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah, I think I think in that sense. It is a little bit more complex and not as light, but the rule mechanic is super easy. It's two yes, six two, yeah. plus, You need to roll eight. You get to add your skill. Bada boom, bada boom. When he told me that, that, and the only other game I played where you had two dice was Traveler, I was like, are you sure it's a light game? Cause <laughs> so what do you think? You think compared to Traveler, which kind of uses the same mechanic. Well, Traveler has charts, though, after okay, you to, right. to, for you to roll your dice. I'm just saying, uh, compared to two, you think... You think Liminal is a lighter game? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to remember. I can't compare the two, but yes, Liminal is a lighter game. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know Paul Mitchell personally, but I'm sure he's been. He, I think I read his his profile somewhere. Uh, oh God, on his please Kickstarter. Stop. No, no, but he's been a, a long time gamer, right? Yes. So he has, you know, Traveler. I don't know how long Traveler was in 1977. So how much role playing experience did uh, Mark Miller do before have before he? made up those rules i don't know maybe since D was around let's say it's 1974 so you had th- two three four years to play with or read and understand rpgs you know paul has been playing i don't know how long he's been playing but let's say he's been playing since he was a kid and he has 20 years of playing games and reading rules and that's a lot of experience just in that i mean i think even we you anybody who has been playing for any length of time if they were to write rules though you know there's it's debatable no I, I wouldn't write rules but let's say if we were to write a role-playing game we, we our endeavor or our our attempt would probably be what is it probably be slightly better than than people who first started writing rules in the late 70s i don't know rules are really hard to write well the explanation rules you know th- that kind of stuff to explain or write how rules should be written and i think that's that's a big plus right when you have lots of years of experience in playing and reading rules and even developing your own rules right you know everybody not everybody but a lot of role players if they've been playing for a while they have home brews and uh, what is it, house rules that they they tinker with the game because it doesn't quite do what they want it to do no matter what game they're playing so that as these tink as as they tinker and stuff, they develop skills of how to explain rules, even if it's only to explain the rules to their friends. Yes. At the table. I agree. Yes. So uh, games that uh, you said that along light games, some games have taken light to be like ridiculously light, and some people call these micro RPGs, RPGs that fit on one page. Everything. Ooh, everything. Okay. All the rules. So uh, there's this game called a couple of few years ago called Laser, uh, Lasers and Feelings. Okay. <laughs> and you only have two stats, lasers and feelings, right? Okay. And you have a number. Uh, it's between two and five that represents both. 
you don't get two stats numbers you just two and to uh and you roll a six-sided die to succeed or not succeed just one yeah just one that's way too light <laughs> i knew you were gonna like it you gotta have at least two <laughs> So, so, I'm sorry, but that's that's. It fits on one page. Here it is. I, I, I don't. I don't need to see it. <laughs> so, what's interesting about this game is I've never played it. I, uh, you know, honestly, but what it says, you know, literally the rules are on one page, and half of it is for the GM side of the. Of the is that a starship? Yes. That looks like the Enterprise. Yeah, it's kind of a. Well, it can't really be the Enterprise because that Obviously would be copy t- copyright infringement. <laughs> but it has a certain Tresk esque. It resembles it. A Tresk esque. No, because it's not a full uh, circle or. Yeah, that taking off there's, that. There's little cutouts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because it is really like a three step, you know, four step process to make a character. And then if you want to, uh, you roll dice. Uh, you can add, well, you do get bonus dice. So you don't just don't want to roll dice. You roll multiple dice. So okay. it might, might be fun for you. So you get bonus dice if you're prepared. You get a bonus dice if uh, if you're an expert, right? And then you roll this set of dice. And what happens is if, you, if you're using lasers, which represents uh, science and reason, you want to roll under that number. Okay. okay. The, the number you pick, you pick it. Whatever. From two to five. And if you're using feelings, which represents uh, rapport, your so passion. So you'd want to pick three so you would have a chance to roll uh, under or over it. System. We gave you the system. You're right. And if you're using feelings, you want to roll over that number. And that's it. Uh, if if none of your dice succeed, you... Don't no, get to do what you, you screw, want. It's screwed up. Nothing happens. Uh, if one dice succeeds, you barely manage to succeed. If two dice succeed, you did a good job. And if three dice succeed, then you did a really good job and you get a bonus of something or other. And boom, that's all there is to the game. Okay. That's that's, that's the rules. Okay. So what's really is interesting, I think this guy who wrote it, I hope, I'm not sure it's the guy, but I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, this person who wrote it, let's just say, uh, he put it out and it's a free download. You know, you don't have to pay for it, and people can can hack the head out, heck out of it. So well, yeah, because there's only one page, so <laughs> you kind of have to add stuff to it, right? Well, you don't have to add no uh, hack it as in make another game. So there's another one called Whiskers and Claws. So you okay? <laughs> so basically, you can basically you can make a, use the same mechanic and everything, and change the setting by simply changing the two things that you're using, right? Whiskers and claws represents you playing an animal, maybe. A cat, I'm thinking. Well, I don't know. It, I don't know. It could be a bird. Whiskers. Well, whiskers. Well, uh, birds I don't do. have whiskers. Yeah, well, right. some might, but. <laughs> so what do you think of that? That thing's pretty cool. Well, I think I think the thing about um, light games is, and they may have come about for people that didn't like crunchy, but also for um, I was reading about it. A lot of a lot of people like light games for introducing kids oh, or yeah. first time role players. Right. So that makes sense that you don't want to have too many rules. Like the the guy who tried to get his wife to play with oh, him, yeah. Yeah. and she couldn't get through the Pathfinder character making process, and decided that this wasn't the the hobby for her. Right. And to his great horror. She didn't want to play with him anymore, right? Nothing. No. I think to this day she has not played. And that well, was I could understand that if, if you, you know, if you make it too complicated. What was your first game that you, well, you played Traveler, not, no. My first Secret. game was, my first game was Gamma World. Gamma World. 
Yes. When my brother was 11 and got it for Christmas. Right. He got it for Christmas? Yep. That's right. That's right. That's it. That's, you know, that's probably worth some money if he kept the box and everything. Uh, he may have. I don't know. But it's I don't have it. He, <laughs> he, he does. So. so I think you're right. I think uh, there's all kinds of reasons to have light games in the in your library, right? They're, they're really good at introducing new players, introducing children. You know, uh, or young uh, young kids to to uh, RPGs. Which I'm not saying that you have to have light games to introduce kids, because I've played Pathfinder with with little kids. You just have to be um, more creative in which rules you use and which rules you don't, and what you get to roll. And kids love to roll dice, right? That's right. You actually ran Pathfinder that one yeah. time for and, the and full table of thirteen kids. <laughs> And we didn't, and, and I did modify the rules just so, and I told the boys that were helping me just to, if they just let them roll, roll the dice and let them make their roll because, you know, they're, they were like six year olds. So everybody got to do something. Yeah. So, so it's not so much, you want to introduce kids and have them have fun. It doesn't matter if there's a, if there is a big, um, if it's a light game or a complicated game, when you're playing with six-year-olds, you're not going to make it... You want to make it as fun as possible, right? right. So well, you, you can use what rules you want and what rules you don't want. You don't have to use. Well, when I introduced Augustine to role-playing game, it was just me and him. I didn't really really use real rules because at the time, I mean, this was... He was uh, four. He was like four. Four, so he was in 2007. You just made him count the numbers on the dice. Right. So it was real basic. I, he had three attributes that just ripped off D&D. And the number the number of the the, the level of the attribute was what he need, has how many six-eyed dice he needed to roll. And I gave him a target number and and basically I was trying to make him count so he would count the dots, the pips on the dice and then he would have to go over a certain number to succeed. And that's all it was. It was, you know, you know, there's that's no the way skills. that we we still play, right? Right. It was all based on. <laughs> you attributes. have to roll two dice and get an eight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think I. Th- well, so I was just making stuff up, you know, even as a young kid, even even as a young kid for my son. And then when his friends joined, they played Star Wars, but I used the same system, which was like th- I literally three attributes. And everything they did was based on those attributes. And then once they started reading Pathfinder, that was it. Because right. then they became mini max or yes. crazy people that wanted to kill stuff and right. take their stuff, loot, loot the bodies. And and I think you know when you when you uh, when kids are that enthusiastic about playing, or anybody is really enthusiastic about playing, I don't think it's a problem. The, there's no, hardly a barrier to entry, right? Augustine really wanted to play because he saw his dad playing, and and his dad had a group of friends that always played, you know, and he was there right next to us and played. You know, we didn't make him leave the room, and he wasn't a boisterous child anyway, so he wasn't make noise. He would sit on Chris's lap. Yeah, was, he would we sit playing, on the guy's lap. You know, and and we, you know, he they let him roll dice when he was old enough, and instead of sticking him in his mouth, and and so you know, and he would get bored of just doing that, and he would go off, but he would come back. I understand that, you know, I remember being a little kid wanting to do what my older brothers and sisters did. And I think that's why I was so uh, geared to playing games because they used to play Monopoly and poker. And I remember being a four and five year old playing poker, throwing in money and knowing what the cards meant. And now I didn't quite understand the complexity of like the odds of of getting a, a straight when I had four cards and I needed that one. But card. you were having fun because your brothers and sisters right. were doing and it. And I had a, a lot of, what do you call it? I, there was a lot of... Uh, Helpers? Hell, no, no. They they just taught me the rules and showed me how to play and then they let me on my own. And the same thing with Monopoly. They didn't 
pull any punches. Not that I remember, but they might have been. They and probably I was, did, and you didn't know it. And I didn't know it. No, they were pretty brutal. I was. They still are. Yeah. If you have people who are driven to want to play games, then it's not. There's hardly a barrier of entry. You don't need to coax them into playing. Now, there's people out there who are like, eh, kind of interested, but I don't know. It's really hard, or something like that. Then, with that kind of attitude and those kind of people playing or introducing them to with a light game might be the ticket into their hobby. And it's just like board games, right? Well, they say that if you're going to introduce new people to um, to a role-playing game, make it short, make it easy, and make sure that they're having fun so right. that their first experience isn't, you know, a dreadful experience right. and they'll never want to come back just again. Just like that girl who's trying to make a yes. character for Pathfinder. Yes, and all I have to say is is when you're pl- – it's the same playing board games with kids. If you don't want your kids to beat you when they grow up, don't play board games with them when they're little. <laughs> um, but when they're little, don't, you know, you sit down and you play the game with them and your friend says, I'll go easy on them. And then he doesn't go easy on them. And you have crying kids is not what you want. Right. Right. I think you're right. Much like much like the board games hobby, you don't want to start with Twilight Imperium. No. Unless somebody's super enthusiastic about board games and is super enthusiastic about learning complex games a lot of people in a board game hobby have what they call gateway games right games that they use to introduce people Saul's gateway game is ticket to ride right usually even though a lot of people don't like ticket to ride a lot of gamers don't like ticket to ride and i use game i'm using air quotes you know real board gamers don't like ticket to ride because for whatever reason because it's why too popular. i don't know because it's too popular right and they need to be cool and whatever not like the popular stuff <laughs> they want to go, you know. They want to be the punk in the where everybody's a prep. But Ticket to Ride is is an excellent game because it's super easy. It's not Monopoly. It's not you know. It doesn't. But use, it's complex enough that it'll keep your attention. Right, but it's not complex enough that it's going to drive them with all these decisions they have to make. Right. Which I like about what's what I like about uh, Ticket to Ride. There's three things you need to do on your turn. Pick you up don't more have cards. to tell everybody right now, dude. Pick up more cards, claim a route, or get more tickets. Don't put your head on the microphone. It makes noise. It's still making noise. Okay. So exactly. I And I, and I use that example. I always use Tickets Ride as an example because it is so easy. And it's kind of cool because they have nice little components and stuff. But there's other games out there who are which are very much like you know, Ticket to Ride. And just like that, there's there are rules like games that are really good to really good to introduce people who well, not only people RPGs. who are new, but also just to the old old people that play game D and D all the time or play something else. It might be an easy way to introduce them to you know, right, a different kind of game or just a different genre, right? Yeah. You know, uh, we were playing Limino uh, the last couple weeks, few weeks, and uh, the characters, the characters, the players really like it because it's very, un- I think they like it because it's unlike the D&D, usual the the, the the combat take their money and take their stuff and kill the, the item uh, well considering we played we had one week of just one fight scene <laughs> and everybody had a total blast doing that right and then the next week we were searching for trying Clues. to figure out how to not die by did ghosts you guys even, did you guys get in a fight to the last game no no not even a fight wow so there you go rpg light games i think they're fun i think they're great for for introducing players, for kids, uh, for one shots, and some of them are really good. You can even make whole campaigns out of. So they're really versatile. They're really neat, and I think they're. Uh, that's why there's so many of them out there. There you go. Go find one. Find somebody to play with. 
This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day.